Thanks, Glenn. Um, so yeah, my name's Shane Trues, and I've got a little bit of a story. I've got to condense it in five minutes, so we are going to go. Five years ago, there was two versions of me. There was the business version. We lived in Edmonton. My business was going like this. Everything I touched turned to gold. I felt like Forrest Gump, and everything was working. I put my heart and soul into it, and it was amazing how much life I got from it, from my business. I'd get up every morning. I couldn't get to the office fast enough. It was fantastic. And then there's the other version of Shane that would find himself at church every Sunday morning. And if I could get through church without falling asleep, I'd consider that a win. And at some point, at some point, I got to thinking, like, I became a Christian when I was 20. And I remember when I first became a Christian, Jesus telling me, I'm going to give you life and life to the fullest. You are going to have a life that's going to demand an explanation. Oh, Lord, sign me up. But then you just get, there's, you go through seasons in life, and my, my church life was just, I wasn't giving God anything. I was giving it all to the business. And so I remember um, saying to the Lord, one day, that's it, I'm done. I'm done having the two versions of me. Lord, I'm going to give you everything that I am, everything. And whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do it. And I didn't take that lightly. And so this is what happened when I did that. My life at church sort of changed a bit. Um, two weeks later, we get there, and uh, I hear about this team going to Haiti. Hey, cool. Um, okay, you know what? I didn't pray about it. I didn't do anything about it. That just seemed like you were going to work on an orphanage. I think God's about the kids, so off I went. And so I went to Haiti with a team. There was 10 of us. And, man, God just wrecked my heart when I was down there. And you could see how the rest of the world was living and we were working on a, an orphanage that got destroyed in the earthquake in 10, 2010. So this organization, HCAS, Haiti Children's Aid Society, they built, they bought five acres of land, and they were starting to build a wall around it, five acres. And so I'm there, and I'm mixing cement, and we're working with the Haitian people, and I'm getting to see how they live. And l- more and more, God was just telling me, you want life and life to the fullest? Put your seatbelt on, because here we go. And so, okay, I'm in. And then while we're there, so I start asking, I don't know anything about what's going on here. And so I start asking, you know, the pastor there, hey, so what's the plan? He's like, we need, when we get back, we've got a fundraiser in about a week. And we need to raise $750,000 for phase one of this project. And so we're hoping that phase one, we can get that money uh, within a year. But we're believing, and so off we go. 750 grand, that's a lot of money. And so the week goes by, and the last day uh, that we're there, a couple of us really started feeling that God wanted us to set the, set the stage for the fundraiser. And so uh, a really good friend of mine, Gary, he's, um, he, we were sitting there in a circle, and he's like, you know what, guys? Let's put our money where our mouths are. Get your checkbooks out. Before we leave, let's have a number so that the church and the organization can start bragging that they've already raised this much for that fundraiser coming up in, uh, in, a, in, uh, in a week. And so our little team, there was 10 of us, and so we said that we, we committed 100 grand. And it, and I know the people that committed the money. I'm a financial planner, and so I know what people make, and I know the sacrifices that people made. And, man, it did something to my heart. It was incredible. All of a sudden, I felt like, man, I was getting caught up in this thing called the Holy Spirit. And, and we were, and, and off we went. We got back home. Man, I jumped on the phones. I worked them hard. I had a lot of very affluent clients that were all about giving back, and there was a lot of Christians. And so I called everybody, and it was all hands on deck, and everybody was doing that. We get the fundraiser. 
we get out in front of a whole bunch of people and we you know we share our story and whatnot two-hour fundraiser we got 750 grand we got 760 grand so we blew the doors off of it and I'd never experienced that before but you could just feel the Holy Spirit moving it was amazing and so all right Lord I'm in like this ride is fantastic what next and so we start going back and forth and I was going back and forth to Haiti um, regularly and then all of a sudden we started running into problems and and that's like life right like business earning you get going and there's some bumps in the road and that's okay and so all of a sudden we started having accounting issues and we're dealing with people in the third world and so communication's different and we got to be accountable to our donors and so more and more issues and so we get to the point where we had this great amount of momentum and the project's going and we're about 20 30 percent done and all of a sudden like man it seemed like everything was coming to a head and it seemed like man this we could this whole project could fail and it was because, and it was simple issues. We needed some person to go down there from North America that could just keep basic accounting and have basic uh, managerial skills. We were desperate for that. We'd go to one board meeting after another, after another, after another. Finally, God said, hey, Shane, what happened to everything? You could do it. I'm like, do what? It's like, go to Haiti. I'm not, What? That's crazy. And then I come home one day, and Joy says to me, I get back from a trip to Haiti, and I always come back, and, like, I'm glowing because it's life. There's so much life to be had there. And Joy says to me, so it's her fault, have you ever thought about moving to Haiti? Like, no. I go there, and it's abject poverty. It is a horrible place to live. And you see people dying all the time, and, and you see carnage all the time and broken lives and it's it's a really tough place like dealing with dads that listen to their kids cry themselves to sleep at night because they can't feed them and their kids are slowly starving to death like that's brutal what about i thought i thought you said everything shane like all right and so i had some business partners and so i said to them hey guys this is what i'm thinking about doing shane you are absolutely nuts like, why would you do that? you got this great business. Why don't you just back and forth, little shake and bake, and, and, and do what you can? And I just felt God saying, what about everything? He just kept coming back to, what about everything? It was so easy for me to give everything to my business, but yet I struggled so hard to give everything to, to, to the Lord. And so one thing led to another. To make a really long story short, we end up moving to Haiti. And so Ty... Um, did a fabulous job. He was super lonely there, but he always had his chin up and he always did what he could do and he'd help out on the job site all the time. Um, we get there and I'm managing 55 Haitian guys and this project is we're going 12 hours a day, six days a week, trying to get us back on on, uh, on target and on budget. In that, it was amazing. There were some really, really highs and so there were some really, really lows. And um, we had the good fortune of getting out and, um, and helping out. We, we got involved in some water projects. And so now there's 9,000 people that have clean, access to clean water because some of the work that Ty and Joy and myself were involved in. There's medical clinics. There's all of these things that we got to establish. And in the project, we got it done on time and on budget. And it was such a miracle. But it was amazing because I'm a financial planner. I don't know anything about project management, but I was willing and so I get there, and the Lord provided every day. I would, we'd have issues with solar power, like we had uh, 100, 300-watt solar panels. 
And so I remember like, Lord, like, I don't know, you know, having to rewire it and problems with it. And all of a sudden, some missionary would show up and he's, all he does for a living in, in the United States is put in solar systems. And so you'd have miracle after miracle after miracle um, that you'd get to, we'd get to be part of. And it was fantastic. And then, as we were getting close to moving the kids in and getting everything done, Joy ended up getting really sick, and Ty ended up getting really sick. My goodness, he couldn't keep food down for months. And, um, and so it was amazing. There were so many things that were going right, and then at the same time, there were things that, were, that weren't going right. And there was such an attack on our family, I felt. And so we had to, Joy had to come back to Canada, and, and then um, once we got the project done, the, soon, the day after the kids moved in, which was when the fun start was about to begin, all the fun, just like the project was done, and now we were going to get to play with the kids and do all sorts of fun things, I had to go back to Canada with Ty. And I remember when we came back feeling so guilty that I wasn't in Canada and, and, um, and I was hoping so much that we were going to go back that our, that our time there um, wasn't done. And then by the time Ty and Joy got back on their feet, it took a while. And so myself, like it, it was just, it was, a, it was a real turbulent time. And it was just a real difficult time and lots of praying. And then I felt like God wanted us to stay here. So our job was done. And so right now the orphanage is operating great and the kids are doing well and the water projects, they're, they're still producing water and, and the medical clinics are, are working out really, really well. And so if you would have looked at my resume and if you would have looked at all the things that, okay, Shane's good at this, 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 and this, and then if you'd look at everything that got accomplished in Haiti, those two lists don't, don't mix at all. And if we... Like Glenn's been talking more and more about, hey, you know, we need to we need to take action. Like we need to we need to engage. There's people all around this area that could end up spending eternity without knowing the Lord because of our because of our inability, our 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 desire to hold so much back and not give everything to Him. But if we all just came to the point where we said, Hey Lord everything i give you everything you can't imagine what can happen and um and it's a really you know it's a really amazing thing and so you know what um i've worked through like we've been back to canada for about two years took me a long time to get used to living in canada again and it took a long time i was sharing with glenn it was about two weeks ago or three weeks ago now where all of a sudden god spoke to me and he's like you know what all that guilt that you feel all the time that's not from me and just enjoy, just enjoy where you are, and it's okay, and it's okay to have two vehicles, and we have a modest house, and that's okay. You don't have to feel guilty about it just because there's so many people on the planet that don't. But the important thing is, is that, you know what, and I, and I keep hearing this from him, you said everything, and you gave me everything, and I blessed it. And so put your seatbelt on, because the next time, Shane, you say everything, we're going to go down the same road, it's going to look different. But it's amazing to see what God can do in our lives. Amen. Wow. Okay, so I'm going to ask you for some grace because that was point one of my sermon. And so for those of you who get annoyed at me because I go over a certain time, you're welcome to leave now.
Let's read. Let's just read a couple of verses because I'm not ignoring what Shane says because it fits so well in Romans 8, verse 26, 27. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. How many of you are feeling weak this morning? When you hear stories like that, when you think about what's going on in your life right now, when you think about the the turmoil and the challenge and like you make decisions similar to what you heard from Shane, right, Lord, I'm going to give you everything and then suddenly it feels like everything slams into you all at once, your health, your finances, your job direction, your, your family, your relationships all just seem to go, and you're like, okay, Lord, hang on a second, uh, I need help here. You see, the word likewise is a really important word. I want to stop there. Likewise, the Spirit. Because what we've done in verse 16 and 17, we've we've just heard a couple of weeks ago about how the Holy Spirit gives us hope and fills us. And there's there's three things, verse 15, 16, and 17. Uh, 14, 15, 16, sorry, you can actually read what the God is doing through His Spirit for us. He's chosen us, he, he leads us, He whispers us for a certain end. And the end is this, so that we as Christians could do great exploits for Him. It's not so that we get forgiven, so then we can live a life of comfort. It doesn't say that anywhere in the Scripture. And I think my fear, and I shared this a couple of weeks ago, is that as Christians, we can get so caught up with the comfort and the, and, and the protection of what we have that we actually could live life missing what God has called us to do. That, that scares me. And you see, as a pastor, it's easy for me to, to jump into the, okay, I'm going to try and keep this group comfortable because then they might stay. That is a constant temptation for a pastor. Or I could actually do what God has called me to do and, and, and call us out on it and say, South, Willow Park Church South, do we truly believe this likewise? You see, Paul is jumping back into what he's reminded us of earlier on, which is that we have been filled, we've been called, we've been led, we've been whispered to. There's therefore now no condemnation. We are then, he says in verses uh, the, the 20, uh, 24 through to 26, he says, you also have a hope of a glory that is coming, a new heaven, a new earth, that even if you only live to a certain age, this life is nothing in comparison, he said. The suffering is nothing in comparison to what is coming for you, this new heaven, a new earth. And I shared that it might be that my children tell me, Dad, I feel called to go to this place, and I'm going to have to get an atlas out. Oh, how old am I? I'm going to have to get an atlas out, and I have to go, where is this place? Are you freaking kidding me? Is what my brain is going to say, but my heart is going to say, no, they're chosen, they're led, they want to do great exploits, and they might die early. And I have to be okay with that. Because for all the reasons that Shane just described, if we really want to live life and life more abundantly, then we cannot kid ourselves that it equals comfort. It doesn't. But can I just say this, that Stephanie inviting seven people around or however many it was for dinner is uncomfortable you don't have to go to haiti you can do it in your front room you can talk to your neighbor see how does boldness develop boldness develops by doing things that require boldness amen 
Love develops not in places where you feel all love and cuddly already. Love develops when God puts you in a place where you need to be loving to this person you hate. Love develops there. Patience develops in places which stretch your patience. Boldness is developed when we step out in boldness to do those things that we know. I'm glad I'm just going to spend some time just trying to seek the Lord as to what he wants us to do. Read the scripture. It's right there. Go and make disciples. See, likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. We're not strong enough to do this by ourselves. See, there's this, as you read through Romans 8, you'll actually see that there's this progression. You see, he's reminding us of who we are. And then he says, this is what you've got to look forward to. But then he doesn't leave us there. He, he carries on. He's, he says, look, he says, in your weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. So here, here's one of the dangers in me preaching this kind of message over the last few weeks. The danger is, is that we want to hide our weakness. Because through fear of people going, well, that's not very bold. This week, I've had a couple of opportunities with different meetings I've had with people who are sat in this room, so they know that I'm speaking the truth, where I've had to be vulnerable and go, I can't do this. It's freaking me out. I I, I can't do it. Everything inside the Madden Glen wants to go, yes, I can. I can do this and go for it. But everything inside of me knows that actually if I'm being transparent and humble for a second and humility and our culture don't go together. It's all about your personal power, which is absolute tosh. When we actually say, I'm weak, I can't do this, God's like, great. That's exactly where I need you to be. That's exactly where I need you to be. I remember when about three years ago, uh, many of you know my adrenal gland basically packed up, stopped working for reasons that I now understand why, but at the time it had an immediate result in my life that was pretty devastating. And I've shared before, and I'm not going to go into details to what that looked like, but it was pretty miserable. And the last thing in the world I wanted to do, Pastor Glenn, last thing in the world I wanted to do was crack open my Bible and pray. (laughs) Because, and then that created guilt and shame in me because you're a pastor. And some of you walk through with that through me and know and remember that it was like, so I had this guilt of, of like, I'm feeling weak, I should be praying, I don't want to pray, and therefore that's why I'm weak. Now I have shame and guilt because I'm not praying. And you get into this cycle of, of, of weakness. But then the scripture says, for we do not know what to pray. We don't know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings that are too deep for words. So even in our weakness, God says, listen, I've got good news for you. Not only are you called, not only are you led. This is Romans 8, uh, like 14 through to up to where we are now. Not only are you called, not only are you led, not only are you whispered to, not only am I witnessing to you all the time about the truth that you're living in, not only am I preparing a new heaven and a new earth for you, and you can step out and be bold and be like Jonathan and say, God, maybe you'll join in with me. Not only all that, but when you are feeling weak and you are feeling down and you are feeling sick and you are feeling oppressed and you are finding challenges, I'm going to pray for you. I'm praying for you. You see, here's what this scripture says. Read it, because it's been desperately badly interpreted. The Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. For groanings that are too deep 
for words. So this has been interpreted by speaking in tongues. It does not mean that. That's a whole other, that's a whole other passage. And I've taught on speaking in tongues before. It is not meaning that. And the simple reason is this. It's the Spirit who is interceding for us, not us. It's the Spirit that is interceding for us on our behalf. Because here's why. Please listen. We have been called, you and I, to an impossible task. We cannot do this. We cannot live life in the way that God has called us to, to see the fruit that we believe in. We cannot do it in our own strength and in our own might. We need Him. We need it because we are weak. We're incapable. You don't know the words to say. You don't know the way to live. We don't know how to cope when sickness and oppression and everything comes on our lives. So God is so gracious and and so kind that He says that He is groaning for us, interceding for us. And the I-N-G in groaning means He's doing it right now for you. But right now, let's just soak in this just for a second. Right now. You have one of the members of the Trinity that if you are a Christian and no longer under condemnation, if you believe in Jesus Christ, right now, in your pain, in your suffering, in your weakness, in your, um, um, in your feeling of, I can't do this, that right now you have one of the members of the Trinity in you, praying for you, right now. That he is connecting with God, communing with God right now, inside of you. That truth, South, is stunning. Because when we go through suffering and challenge and difficulty, the world will say, well, dig in, my friend. You can get through this. Positive mental attitude, you can do it. No amount of positive mental attitude can, can actually take away some of the suffering that people are having to deal with. We need something better than that. And so God says, good. I'm going to give you my spirit if you're a Christian and he is going to intercede for you constantly, connecting constantly with groanings too deep for words. See, this scripture is showing us God's heart for us. It's really encouraging when somebody comes to me and says, Glenn, just, just want you to know that I prayed for you this morning. I'm like, that's, that's so encouraging to know that you're being prayed for. I wonder how many of you have had a text from somebody and, and they've said, uh, hey, you're going really through a really difficult time or this news has come and we kind of text back and go, wait, I, I'm, I'm praying. But we're not. Like, you know, let's be honest. I mean, I mean I'm, not, I'm not saying that you don't, but are you actually at that second putting your phone down and going, right, I'm going to pray. Can we do that? Can we start doing that? That if you actually say, we'll apart church south. If somebody says, I'm praying for you, can we actually make a decision that as a church that we are actually going to put our phone down, it's possible, trust me, and even walk away and actually pray for that person you've just said that you're praying for? That's incredibly encouraging. But know this, that one of the members of Trinity is doing it right now for you. That in your weakness, that in your weakness, in your I can't do this, in your have you got to be kidding me, God, in your this hurts so much, in your... I don't know where the money is coming from. Right now, the Spirit of God is praying for you. And that is not only mind-blowing, but it's encouraging. So it means this. 
that when we say, I can't do this, know that the Spirit of God is praying for you. And I'm going to show you now in verse 27 the the depth of what that actually means. It says this, And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. So here's what I love about this passage. You've got the Holy Spirit in you, praying for you, that you would have boldness to step out and do that which God is calling you to do. He's praying for your sanctification. He's praying for your health. He's praying for your finances. He's praying for every aspect of the deepest longings that you have. He's praying for them, and he's praying for them perfectly. How do I know that? It's because he's God. It says that he knows your mind. He searches your heart and knows the mind of the Spirit. Searches your heart. For some, that is equally encouraging as it is devastatingly chaotic. He knows you. He knows your desires. He knows your true aims. He knows your true desires. He knows your true decisions. He knows what's really going on. And he's praying with that in mind. So this is what it tells me. He also says that he knows the mind of God. He not only knows your heart, the Holy Spirit right now interceding for you, knows you intimately, better than anyone else in the world knows you. When it all goes quiet and everything gets switched off, those things that go through your mind, your temptations, your difficulties, your pressure, he knows. But he also knows the will of God for you. He also knows the mind of God for you. He knows his heart for you. And so he can pray perfectly in alignment with the will of God for you. And this is why it's devastating. Sometimes those aren't my desires for what I want to have happen from God. How many of you have prayed earnestly for something, for something else to happen, that when you actually live through it and look back at it and go, yeah, that was right. I needed that. It sucked at the time, but it was right. That's because the Holy Spirit is praying for you on your behalf. Knowing the mind of God for you, because God's intentions, God's heart for you is different than your new car. It's different than the holiday that you want, or it's different than the, the whatever situation you want changing. It might be different, but it is perfect, and it's always answered. It's always answered. He knows God's mind. He knows your heart, and that either brings great comfort, knowing that when you can't, listen for those who are in the room who are challenging, are finding life really hard, that when you can't pray, know that he is. When you're like, I've got nothing, God, know that he has everything, and he loves you so much, and he cares for you, and is passionate towards you, even all you can do is groan yourself. He is interceding for you. But the answer might look different than what you want. The answer for Shane looked different than he wanted initially. For Jane and uh, for Joy and Shane and Ty, it looked radically different. But it was an answer because the Spirit was interceding on his behalf. If it brings panic to you, then then, you know, you, you, need to, you need to lean into that. Why does it panic you that God loves you so much that he knows you intimately, that actually regardless of what comes out of your mouth, he knows your heart intimately and he's praying that that heart would be changed. Two days ago, I was sat on my back porch watching Jack because Jack goes and, and, he, and he just throws uh, basketball hoops for 
ages. He puts music on and, and, he, and he, just, he just runs around and he just does hoops. And I'm really fascinated by it because if you've ever seen a British guy, especially in their, in their mid-40s, trying to play basketball, it's not pretty. It's really not. It's quite cumbersome and nasty, quite honestly. And I'm fascinated by the, the grace and the flow of this, of this not-so-little 12-, 13-year-old in a week's time throwing balls in. I'm like, this is awesome. And then the ball goes over our fence. And those of you who've been to our house, you know, we've got this kind of patio area, which is basically dedicated to basketball. And then we've got this classic picket fence. It's about this high at the back of the, and so the ball constantly goes over. And Luke and Jack are always playing in that area. And it's great. And so I watched Jack lean over this fence. And normally they just jump over it. They're like, gone into the back area, got the ball, come back. So I watched Jack get a broom, first of all, to try and pull this ball towards him. And it wasn't working. And he did it for ages. And I'm thinking, he could, he could have gone around and got that 27 times over by the time it's taken him. Eventually, he gets this ball. It must take him five minutes. Got this ball out. And then I see him grab the fence post and do this with the fence. Literally that much movement in the fence, back and forth. Fences aren't meant to do that. And I went, hey, what are you doing? He said, well, it's broken. Really? Well, why is it broken? Oh, um, uh, well, Luke, Luke and I broke it. When? A month ago. I said, well, how? Well, we're jumping on it, but we're not jumping on it anymore. Well, no, because you broke it. You see, and so we spent some time. And he was like, I, can't, I don't understand why dad's all hit up about this. You broke my fence. I can laugh about it now. Um, yeah, and one of them sat right there. But here's the thing. You look at that fence. looks really strong and sturdy, but you wouldn't want to lean on it. You lean on it, that thing's going to collapse. You might look strong and sturdy, but if anybody tries to lean on you, you explode. Somebody tries to lean on you, you collapse. What? Just know that the Holy Spirit sees that in you and is praying for you on your behalf if you're a Christian. If you're not a Christian, God sees that in you and the world can give you nothing to bring sturdiness to your life other than just something else to do that ultimately is going to bring you guilt and shame when you fail at that as well. So God intercedes for us. He's praying for us constantly. So here, I'm going to pull this together because what we've done this morning has, has been good and has, has preached itself. But here's out of, and I'm going to come back to this maybe next week, but I just want to show something to you. That if he is interceding for us, and if he's searching our hearts and knows perfectly what it is that we need, and his prayer is always answered, and then further through it says that and if, our, if our future is secure, even if that means death, And if that means as well that he constantly leads us and he whispers to us and has chosen. If all this is true, Christian, listen to me. What does that mean for us? If we know that the Holy Spirit is constantly praying for us and our success and our growth and our pushing us towards more like Jesus. What does that mean to me? What it means is this. I can come out swinging at life. Watch out. I can come out swinging. Because I cannot fail. Take my life away, I succeed. If things get hard, the Holy Spirit is praying for me. And his prayers are always getting answered. 
If God is for me, who can be against me? He that is in me is greater than he that is in the world. It may be that God is with me. It might not be. But I'm going to go die in glory, knowing that ultimately I have ultimate glory ahead of me. I can come out swinging south. I am not going to live a life in the shadows, hoping people don't notice me and ask me questions about Jesus. I heard a scary statistic this week that was this, and I've quoted this before and I listened to the podcast again, that they did a survey recently, Lifeway Research, of thousands of Christians in North America, and they found that nearly zero had had a a quality comparison across the whole number. Nearly zero percent had had a quality conversation about the gospel with a friend or neighbor or co-worker in the last six months. And then they surveyed non-Christian young adults. And I can guarantee you it's the same for older than young adults as well. And they found that 89% of them said that they would be willing to have a conversation with a Christian friend about Jesus. 89%. So what that tells me is this. Is there's people in the world there looking for something that we have, but we're not willing to say anything because we're not convinced of what Romans 8 says about us. And I'm excited to see what God is doing in people's hearts on the back of this. Because what I'm starting to see is this, is that people in the South are starting to, by the Spirit of God, waking up to the fact that we have everything that we possibly need by His grace. He's praying for us. He's filling us. And then I'm seeing people starting to step out in boldness and do things in their community and neighborhood and friends and neighbors. And it's just so good. I know it's happening because you're telling me You're sitting down and saying, this is the conversation I had. And Glenn, can we have coffee? And you you unload what God is doing. You send me an email. I can see it happening. And I can see that the prayer that the Spirit is praying is actually working. And it's starting. But I want to encourage you, friends, that if you are hesitating to take a step forward, come out swinging. Come out swinging. Because you have nothing to lose and literally glory to gain. That's exciting to me. You can say, how much money do you need? You can say, I'm going to go and talk to this person. You can say, I'm not, I'm not going to hesitate any longer. I'm actually going to go. I don't even know what I'm going to say, but I'm just going to trust that the Spirit is going to fill my mouth, just like the Scripture says. You know, it's my second story just to finish. In our house, we have a, uh, a door frame in our laundry room, and, and it's chaos. It's just got right in and lines and ages and all sorts. And what we've done is, is we, we've, we've measured the kids as they've gone up. And so Luke is the highest. He's up there. We actually did it again yesterday, and he's there. And we write down Luke, and we point at where he's at. And then you can track. And you've got Jack and Zoe and Amber, and there's even me. And I think Sarah's on there as well. And I think our, our height's just going down, but... Their height just seems to be getting taller and taller. And, and so here's, here's the thing. No matter how hard you watch a kid, you're not going to see them grow. Right? But then you see a kid, and then you don't see them for six months. And you're like, whoa, what happened? Right? You don't see the growth. And here's what I do. And I'm going to confess. Sometimes I don't see the growth. But I'm believing by this scripture that it's there because the Holy Spirit is praying. The growth is there, South. And he's readying us for something special. 
He's readying us for something profound. He's readying us for the baptism tank always to be full. He's readying us for a second service. He's readying us because I believe in the power of his prayer. Because he's changing you. He's growing you. And it might be that no matter how much I stare, I'm like, I don't see it. (laughs) But then you come and show me. It's like, whoa, God is about something amazing. If we could grasp who it is that called us and the power he has filled us with. And we get on our knees and we say, God, use me. And then we back that prayer up by the second by the really scary prayer of, give me the boldness. God, how do you want me to be used today? Give me the boldness to do it. We're going to see incredible things. We're going to see incredible things. Then there are going to be opportunities and things for you to get involved in. I can't think of any of them where you would actually need to pray about whether or not you should be involved in them. Like if we put an alpha, then we should be, the prayer should be, who is it that I'm going to invite to alpha? Not should I be involved. You know, there's things that, that you can get involved in over the next few months and there's going to be stuff that's coming out. Now some of you, maybe even spiritually now, are like this. Yeah, well. Somebody said to Moody, said, I don't like the way you evangelize. And Moody's answer was, well, I like my way of evangelizing better than the way that you don't. Let's caution ourselves from being cynical. And let's push in. Amen? We can do this, South. Our mission area needs this church. It needs this church. It needs you and it needs me. And I'm excited about what God is doing. Father.